This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta tabhi nahi bhulte. We're back for NL Hafta yet another hafta and I'm going to be your host for this week. Before I introduce our guest for this week, uh just a couple of announcements. We have a new mug in our NL store. It's called the Karare Chane mug. Those of you who watch TV newsons are familiar with this phrase, but yeah, we have this really cute little mug and you can go on NL store and buy it. We also have a new um NL Sena project which is a documentary on Hathras. Our reporters Akanksha and Nidhi Suresh were one of the first reporters uh, who reported on this case and we followed that case ever since. We are now making a long form documentary on everything that's happened since that case hit headlines and then disappeared. from my headlines especially looking at how media attention and uh, political attention on this family changed their lives so our uh, nidhi and a couple of other producers have been visiting they've been going to the spot but we really need you to chip in and help us raise some money for this so that we can put it out there soon Uh, we also have a new page for subscribers to send letters to our shows so if you want to write to hafta you have to go to newslaundry.com/podcast-letters we shall leave the link to this uh, below this podcast so you can check it out and write to us our guest for this week is akar patel hi akar namaskar namaskar he is a journalist and a columnist i'm sure most of you know about him uh, it's former head of amnesty international india and also former newspaper editor he's worked with bhaskar group and midday multimedia limited um and he's come out with a new book price of the modi years so um i say i have a bunch of questions for akar but let's get the headlines of the week uh, done with from jayshree and then we can get to akar and with my few questions to him and of course let me just quickly introduce the rest of the panel we have raman sir in the house hi jayshree joining us from chennai and anand is here with us after a very long time welcome anand it's really great to have you here half the audience has missed you yes thanks 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 uh, jayshree go ahead with the headlines and then we'll okay so here's the headlines for the week uh, prime minister narendra modi has announced the repeal of three controversial farm laws after a year of protest the union cabinet has already approved the bill to repeal the laws But thousands of farmers are still planning to march towards the borders of Delhi to mark the first anniversary of their movement. Tractors will also head to Parliament on November 29th as part of a protest. They are pressing for the statutory guarantee of a minimum support price for crops, among other things. Rahul Gandhi wrote an open letter to the farmers congratulating them on their historic victory. He said the Congress will always support them in future struggles. Uh, Chennai, yes, as you mentioned, is preparing for another round of heavy rains, which we are anticipating from Thursday onwards, and will hit us over the weekend. In Allahabad, the High Court has said that oral sex with a minor does not fall under the category of aggravated sexual assault under the Pokso Act. This was quite shocking. Delhi MP Gautam Gambhir and journalist Aditya Raj Kaul have claimed they received death threats from ISIS Kashmir. So, yeah, the. Findings are out of the National Family and Health Survey. This is the fifth round of the survey. It was released by the Union Health Ministry on November twenty fourth. I think the fertility rate in India has dropped. That's one of the findings. Yeah. Uh, in Kerala, this is quite a landmark case of a woman named Anupama, who, um, after waiting for a year, a DNA test has proved that has matched her with that of a one year old baby that was given up for adoption. Basically, she said that her father had given up her baby for adoption without her consent and now finally the baby is back with her so it's quite an interesting story the supreme court used its omnibus power to help a dalit boy get a seat at iit bombay this is good news 
Seven people have been hospitalized after a poisonous gas leak in RK Puram in Delhi. The Tripura civic polls uh, polling is underway as we speak, actually. The Supreme Court has asked the center to deploy extra forces to secure booths. The center is set to launch a program by which school teachers will be trained to identify mental health issues among students. Meanwhile, as we're, as we're recording this podcast, actually, Prime Minister Modi is laying the foundation stone of the new Noida International Airport. Tomato prices in Tamil Nadu have soared past 100 rupees. The government has now stepped in with a subsidized variety. The government, central government is planning to introduce a bill on cryptocurrencies during the winter session of parliament. The bill will seek to prohibit all private cryptocurrencies in India. So this caused some furor. And on Tuesday, the RSS chief Mohan Bhagwat held a very important meeting in Greater Noida where he met with editors of leading mainstream news channels. So yeah, that's the headline. <laughs> Great. But when it comes to beef lynch, a cow-related violence, it, is, it isn't something like post-2014. It's been mainstreamed in the sense that uh, you'll find more cabinet ministers or MLAs or MPs justifying it. Or you'll find the perpetrators at, you know, maybe election rallies being garlanded. But is it your thesis in the book that this is something that's happened only after 2014? It's not my thesis. So mm. basically, the cattle slaughter was prohibited in many states in India. Yeah. What happened after 2015 and the Prime Minister's speeches against what he called the Pink Revolution is that the possession of beef was actually criminalized. Okay. The constitutional mandate has nothing to do with beef. It has to do with the... Smuggling. It has to do with... Well, it has to do with animal husbandry. That, that, that it's a sort of economic... Uh, a way of trying to ensure that the children of India have you know enough milk because they are malnourished and therefore we shouldn't be slaughtering cows. Hmm. That is the thesis behind what the constitution says is the mandate behind uh, cow slaughter. It's not a law. Hmm. It's 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 a sort of instruction saying you know please do this. What has happened post 2015 is that the possession of beef, the flesh of uh, of of a cow, hmm. which we can't tell from a buffalo, hmm. has become a criminalized and the burden of proof has been reversed. Meaning that if I were to be found with meat in my fridge or in my van or my truck, mm. and I were to be accused uh, of carrying beef and not mutton or not you know buffalo meat, it would be up to me to prove that that meat was not actually beef. And what that has resulted in is that in 2019, uh, the, a court in Gujarat convicted a man who was accused of serving beef at his daughter's wedding. That man couldn't prove that the meat that had been consumed weeks earlier was beef. Was, was sorry, was not beef. The court said in that case, uh, uh, you go to jail. So the high court reversed that judgment later because it's it's sort of appalling. But that's what this nation has actually become. We have that the Muslim is guilty uh, at the point at which he's charged till he's able to or she's able to prove his or her innocence. And I think that this kind of law in the hands of a police in a part of the world where rule of law is fairly lax. Is not only dangerous, it's it's brought us to a place where only Muslims will be able to tell us what they go through. And I don't think we are we are hearing enough from them. I think that on the side of legislation, we've taken this country to a, a very dark place from which I don't think we'll be able to come out soon. At least pretty, and this leads to also the absurd situation of where after a crime, a meat is sent to the forensic lab to figure, like in Dadri, that made headlines for quite some time that it's been sent to the lab to see whether it's, you know, beef... Or whether it's mutton or what? It wasn't beef, I think. I think there were two two reports. Yeah. One saying that it wasn't and one said it was. And actually in Dadri, there was also, there were contradicting statements from the circle officer. It wasn't clear whether this was meat found at the Choraha where this happened or his fridge. So there was that confusion also where 
in which meat was sent to the forensic labs. But I think that's an interesting thing to look at. I mean, if there have been cases pre-2014 in possession of meat, or if this so is solely something because... I think there were very clear indications that the government wants to ease out MSP uh, and also wants to ease out, you know, that uh, what is the name of that Food Corporation of India, FCI. Okay, there were cl clear indications when these farmers had attended, you know, the meeting before these laws were brought into, uh, you know, by the by by the government and they were being introduced in parliament so and and there the farmers the representatives who were who had attended the meeting and they said they were not allowed to speak at all they had raised that issue at that time okay when when the meetings had happened so i think whether it's going to benefit the rural elites or 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 the rural elites have co-opted the marginal workers I think that's, that's something which comes later. The first and the foremost is the, uh, I mean, the laws which are going to benefit uh, a very large community of farmers, uh, whether the farmers had a say in it or not, whether it was a democratized, uh, I mean, when, when you are when you're calling farmers to participate uh, in those debates and, and, and you're not letting them speak. So, 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 so that is, I think, one major issue. Uh, in this and when these farmers went on protest I think it was legitimate yeah. and uh, secondly I think the handling of the the entire movement was uh, something which I think uh, was faulty and here the politics come of course mm. why he has withdrawn it now when uh, so many elections I know it for a fact that uh, in Uttar Pradesh uh, the IB reports and I mean the IB comes up with the political uh, you know, uh, reports uh, before each election for the for any government that they are serving, whether BJP or the Congress. So, uh, so the very clear indications that from Western uh, in Western UP, the BJP is going to be routed. So, so I think that was uh, perhaps the major reason. Then Punjab, Punjab also they have a plan, uh, uh, as I have spoken to some of uh, you know the very very senior officers over there. The BJP has a plan there also along with uh, Amrinder Singh. Mm. But uh, but I think more importantly, it was the Uttar Pradesh, Western, especially the Western UP. So I have a point on the rural lead bit, but I think I'll, I'll get uh, our guest Akar in first. What did you make of the PM speech? Uh, was it someone visibly diminished? And, uh, you know, I mean, it's quite unusual for the PM to actually, I haven't seen him or heard him say sorry or even appear to say even though he said ki meri mein kami reh gai hai, whatever but he's not someone known to sort of say sorry or oh, budge he, he especially when uh, I think the uh, exactly almost not a year ago but almost if like maybe eight nine months ago he very clearly said yeah andolan jeevi hai they're not real farmers blah 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 so for him to take this uh, oh, you, you know u-turn what do you think happened and what do you think is there like deep politics to this or this was just something that they just did because of elections. I don't think he gets diminished by this sort of thing. I think mm. he is aware of uh, what it is that is attractive about him to his constituency and he keeps it. I think that, he, so he ran away for 20 days from the public space during the second wave. Yeah. He came back from a Bengal rally. Yeah. For 20 days, he didn't show his face. 
when the nation needed him to roll his sleeves up and come down and start working. But he fled. This is who he is. He, he can run from a battle. You know, the Patels, the Patidars of uh, Central Gujarat that I come from, the deity of Krishna, uh, uh, we are all Vaishnavs. We worship is called Ranchod, you know, a Krishna who ran away from battle. We worship his uh, pragmatism. Hmm. This is who this man is. If he will run away from you, thump your chest and tell the Muslims of India, I'll come after you with CA and with NRC. When they resist, you run away from it. There is no CA on the ground. It's been two years. Next year, uh, next month will be two years that the CA will have been passed and made law. No sign of it. Hmm. No sign of the NRC. If you resist, and the farmers know this, if you put if if you if you put yourself out. It doesn't matter how much strength the other side has. It depends on resolve. This man doesn't have resolve. She knows this. I guarantee you, Obama, she, hard people like Putin, who would have met this person wearing his name on a suit, like a five-year-old, would have seen through him in two minutes and would have known what it is to do with him. I guarantee it. She would have known that Modi would turn his face away the moment he would have lined up his troops on that border because he cannot be seen as somebody who's weak. It's okay if he if he uh, surrenders. He should not be seen as doing it. The farmers knew it, hmm. which is why they won. They were absolutely right in staying rigid in their positions for a year because they knew that he would come down and, and that there, there was no way for him. Anybody who understands the first thing about mass mobilization on the subcontinent knew in November last year that this battle was lost. That once you have this element of mobilization, just like the Muslim women did, you will lose. There is no question. You know, this I, is not strangely. I, I didn't. Fe- I I wouldn't guess that because I think with the movements now that you're seeing, not only are you, you know, standing up against the government. I think this is a great example of it. But you're also standing up against a large section of media, like the relentless demonization that the farmers faced, you know, Khalistani, well, anti-national. In India. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> no, even, even, in, <laughs> even in case of uh, this prime minister saying sorry, I think the TV media... No, but media, it does create a lot TV, of perception. TV media has amplified this. What? Uh, that PM said sorry hmm. to the farmers. He hasn't said sorry to the farmers. Basically what he said, that aap samad nahi pahe, Sorry. <laughs> so he's putting the blame on us that we could not understand, you know, what he was trying to say. That's what he's saying. What really surprises me is the malefied bits in the law. Why put in a clause which says that the farmer cannot approach court? Exactly. That would have yeah. that's just yeah. dumb. I yes. mean, I'm saying that, yeah, like if you're trying to do something surreptitious, do it smartly. If you're going to do something dumb, you will get caught and we were caught. I think that the Gujaratis lost this battle. We will come back, by the way, mind you. But this one, we In fact, there's a very good piece uh, by Vivek Kaul and I uh, suggested that earlier also. Why farmers are protesting against laws which supposedly help them. I think it's a pretty nuanced take on the good and the bad. And exactly, this is one of the big problems there that you weren't allowing them to approach courts. So, By the way, not too many people know this. The government itself undid the third farm law. Uh, a few months ago, and this was in July, hmm. when it said that there would be a ban on the hoarding of dal, which was which was the undoing of the third farm law, which uh, undid the Essential Commodities Act. But at hmm. that point, you know, the media or whoever these people are that back Modi on this didn't didn't uh, say anything because it's not about the laws themselves. What they don't want to be seen as is him going back on his word, and them having seen as you know given him support on something that he's gone back on. 
the laws were there a long time ago so jayshree we uh, how is this news covered uh, in your part of the country we, i mean like anand said of course this was this got a lot of attention from the delhi media and of mm. course the principal states that were in you know they were at the forefront of it were uh, haryana parts of uttar pradesh rajasthan punjab of course some some of himachal some of uttar uttar uttarakhand also so there were some farmers representative from chennai but was it well. was yeah, it yeah. a big concern i mean was it a big talking point there in the media or among people no definitely not as much as it was in delhi but there was um, especially in the southern districts of tamil nadu there were a lot of celebrations that broke out after oh, yeah? november 19 okay. they burst crackers yeah. and they were distributing sweets I think uh, farmer unions um, said that they're going to continue the protests until the laws are finally repealed. And now that that's happened, they'll probably stop. And but they've also been calling for an apology. So on how it's covered, I mean, I mean, I don't think anything can compare to how Delhi media covers the protests. But in my opinion, I feel that um, I think from the beginning there was no doubt that these were bad laws in substance, like and in process. There's no controversy on the fact that the APMC system and the agricultural procurement system require reform. But the ways the ways the bills were bills were designed to specifically replace one problem with a bigger problem, and the manner in which the bills were rammed through, they were both completely undemocratic. So I did think that the government would pull back on these laws. But it's also I think this is one of those rare examples that shows how sustained protests work. And I think in the immediate elections, you're right. It takes away some political planks from the opposition. And just uh, before we wrap up on this, I just thought that points that Anand brought up on the rural elite are quite interesting. And this is something that in newsrooms we've had discussions right from when it started. And I personally think I don't think a protest like this could have gone on without the supporting of without the support and the backing of affluent Punjab. farmers i think in huge measure it is because uh, punjab farmers are more affluent than many other farmers in the country and they were able to back this in a way that uh, send money send supplies send labor or do the rotation you know that okay we are going to go for some time and stay there and then another group of farmers from the village goes and stay there i think this is very hard for a small scale farmer to do and this in some measure was pulled off because of how farmers are well to do in punjab and i think uh, but this is also something the media likes to operate in these binaries of either you want to villainize these people or you want to just make a bichara out of them ki oh bichare garib you know farmers and all that and interestingly in one of the conversations uh, with our reporter uh, this young farmer had said when you know there was a lot of conversation in the media ki ye farmers english kaise bol rahe hain ye pizza kyun kha rahe hain and he said as much that listen we are rich you know i've gone to australian study um, you know i wear jeans hamare phate kapde nahi hai we want to be richer also so it was in that sense also protecting your what you've been able to build for yourself over the years and maybe also push back against why should there only be an ambani and adani why can't we be unnecessary i think because the rss today is a subset of the of the modi bjp that there is nothing that the rss can offer journalists which is different from how it was in the late 90s when uh, the rss could genuinely say that it differed with the government and force the government back on things that can't happen anymore there is absolutely nothing on which the rss can say to the modi government and to mr modi himself that we don't like what you're doing stop hmm. and so i think that to meet the rss in on on the assumption that there's some higher power that is not elected but might have some more wisdom over what's going on in this country i think is false hmm. i would not have wasted my time well, it's it's good to meet them I, i i think it's sort of absolutely right to go and meet you know whoever you want 
but the fact is that the rss has been subsumed by the kind of more democratized general bigotry that comes from the bjp and you don't need the rss to be able to permeate sort of institutionally anymore because it's been done fairly successfully um so that's my one one thought on it the other thought is that i wonder how many people know that the largest advertiser in south asia is the government of india the central government sends out between 12 and 1300 crore rupees a year on its own and 12 or 1300 crore rupees through the psu so that's 2400 crore rupees a year to an industry that is flat i would urge the listeners of this podcast and of readers of news laundry to take a look at the financials of two companies hd media owned by the virlas and bccl bennett coleman and company limited owned by the jains just take a look at the annual uh, revenues that these companies have posted over the last 4 years what you will see is that there is a decline media companies in india are dying because the economy is dying Mm. and there is a very severe dependence in such a situation that these companies have on government revenue that they can't let go of because it is completely habit the government can turn the tap off whenever it wants to any of these companies they are very dependent on them and they don't operate on the sort of margins that you might need to say oh, okay get lost to the government because if that 12 13% stops coming in you go into the red and so i think uh, we need to see the fact that what is being done by these companies and these sort of journalists quote uh, quote unquote journalists is forced on them and in fact i think the dependence grows with especially after corona and uh, with the kind of economy so, okay, the way it's, it's been I mean, the, the, you the, don't the, have corporations industry. advertising now it's mostly the government's advertising not mostly the government the uh, the government is not the majority advertiser mm. except for very few small instances so like a very regional newspaper or new, uh, sort of regional magazine might be more dependent on what is called dabp advertising than the rest but it's a substantial chunk 2500 crore rupees is more than twice the size of all the tele com companies put together yeah. so it's it's a very serious advertiser and this money is discretionary so they can turn it off they can tell rajasthan patrika we will not pay you and it had to go to court and and you know to try and get that money so it's tough and see it's one thing for to have advertising in terms of tender ads or say advertising a scheme what you see a lot on television news these days are government advertisements that are half an hour features and those costs a lot they're well made features about how you know the flyover in up or whatever up is gone to the whatever it's amazing with some rap song of how great yogi ji so it's that serious cash that comes their way absolutely i think uh, you know the, up chatisgarh does the, it a lot aap also does it quite a bit the uh, indian newspaper society at towards the end of last year went cap in hand to mr modi to say three things one is a please give us the money that published the advertising for but haven't received a uh, payment for yet hmm. Hmm. b please reduce the rate of import duty on newsprint which is the stuff that newspapers are made of yeah, and yeah, three yeah. Uh, increase the rates by 100% on government advertising because we're not getting money from anywhere else these same companies are expected to go and criticize uh, mr modi it's not going to happen jayshree what did you think of the meeting no i agree with akar i think there's a fundamental flaw on the way our media houses are run so i think the fact that this meeting took place is not surprising to anyone i mean do they have to publish a photo of it like that probably not also what i loved is that how everyone who was at the meeting i mean if you read the news laundry story that we did how they were just so coy about what they talked about oh we talked about nothing it was so casual we just had a chat about rss and its issues but like what are these issues what did you actually say also one thing i'm very curious about is that um so i think a lot of the people at the meeting said that this happens every year does this happen every year this sort of meeting yeah 
it does with the top editors and managers not top editors as i said like minded i mean ah. i i don't see i mean like i was uh, heading uh, express you know in lucknow and i was metro editor here in, so we never got invitations yeah. i think i think i think they just call the people uh, whom they like thank you so much guys for listening in your regular host abhinandan will be back next week thank you for listening in thank you so much akar for joining in and i hope you can join us again when we are a full It's team my pleasure and i absolutely will when will call me <laughs> thank you so much and goodbye everyone all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah.